Welcome to The Label Podcast, a show about disability, illness and difference. And history. I'm Lucy. And I'm Alice. I'm Daisy. episode along with lucy crying and alice swearing there's going to be a number of historical terms for disability that are now considered extremely offensive hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the labeled podcast it's another history lesson today which is always very exciting at least for me and lucy i'm not sure daisy's very keen on being up this early I don't think any of us are this keen on being (laughs) up this early. We've all regretted this instantly. It's very, very early. Yeah. (laughs) It's not very, very early. It's like, Daisy's going on like it's half past six in the morning. It's not. It might as well be. (laughs) (laughs) If it was half past six in the morning, I would not be functioning. It's quarter past nine, everyone. We we all need to to suck it up a little bit. Be a bit dramatic. (laughs) What a surprise. Yeah, what a surprise. Uh, So this week, uh, Lucy's doing a disabled person, talking about a disabled person from history. Uh Um, I know that she's uh, been quite excited about this one. She's she's roped the, alongside roping Daisy into it, she's roped her local museum into helping her. I have. I've been a little bit of a swat, is what I've been, and a bit of a teacher's pet. Um, So I when I was doing my research, so t- today we're going to be talking about uh, Dr. Samuel Johnson, uh, whose birthplace museum, he was born in Litchfield, which is about 15 minutes up the road from me. Um, so he's got a birthplace museum in the middle of the city and I can't get into the uh, museum because it's very inaccessible. So I emailed them and said, basically, we're doing this podcast uh, and could you give me some more information because I'm going around in circles and they gave me a load of stuff which I could not make head nor tail of and I said I I I thought to myself I can't make head nor tail of this so I give it to Daisy team effort with this really yeah Um, I love me a document so (laughs) (laughs) yes what what's yes what's the uh what's the crack with the museum is it like did it used to be his house? Why is it an inaccessible building? Uh, yeah, it's where he was born, and I think it's where I think it's where he spent most of his life. And it's very, very tiny. They've got like a like a Google Maps type situation where you could sort of click through. Oh, uh, right. And when you look inside, you're like, yeah, I'm not surprised you can't get in there. Really, to be fair. Yeah. Um, so I'm not blaming them at all. But they are they are looking apparently at making the museum a little bit more accessible which i seem to have inadvertently got myself involved with um <laughs> so you know uh, listen, listen to you going on it like this is something that you hey i know that you are 100 percent like yeah i'm doing yeah, this yeah. i'm oh, so yeah. excited yeah um considering like this is, cool, <laughs> considering that this is my day job as well this so this sort of access stuff is my day job so um i i've gladly said like if you would like me to help then i of course i will um 
so yeah but translated for, to yes please include me i really want to do it please please call the please call, can you please call the new wing of the museum the lucy wood wing <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so it's quite exciting really we've got quite a lot of things well quite a lot of additional information to add on to my a4 sheet of notes which um is exciting so are we all ready i'm we... strapped in okay yeah. so <laughs> samuel johnson was an english writer and critic and one of the most famous literally 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 literal figures of the 18th century i can't speak literary that's the one oh it's too early uh he is best known for the dictionary of the english language you may have also seen him portrayed in blackadder by robbie coltrane i think it's robbie coltrane in blackadder i thought it was stephen fry oh it could be i don't know he's portrayed in blackadder anyway which is is uh note to how famous he is really um samuel johnson was born in lichfield staffordshire on september the 18th 1709 samuel johnson was uh, born to uh, a lichfield bookseller he was a sickly baby and contracted scrofula um which left scrofula. him yeah scrofula yeah, scrofula which left him with physical star scars uh being touched by queen anne the famous uh mythical cure of the king's touch did not help him because spoiler alert of course it didn't <laughs> um yeah, yeah. Fun funnily enough yeah uh, the royal family don't actually have magic powers if they did i would be licking uh elizabeth queen elizabeth the second so how neck. is this sentence gonna end <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah daisy have you got a bit about the queen and king's touch yeah thing well yeah because there's there's some kind of some people seem to well some reports that he had the scrofula from that young mm. uh, um it seems that that might be because he definitely had it later because apparently if you get scrofula when you're that young of a baby you don't tend to survive it and you don't tend to get eye complications so there was one of the documents that seems to be implying that you know he may well have just had sort of other you know eye problems based on his you know traumatic birth but then he got scrofula definitely when he was like two. oh god you know i was literally just thinking does anybody else think scrofula sounds like a dog's disease yeah. <laughs> and then bertie's like yes yes it does my mum is retrieving the dog. <laughs> One Damn it, Bertie. Bertie, you're ruining it for yourself. <laughs> right, sorry, Daisy. Where should we'll, we go uh, before we started barking? Well, uh, well I was just going to say we'll have to leave all of this in and then include a little, some uh, cute pictures of Bertie and all the uh, Well, we Instagram can do that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we'll do, we'll do that, okay. Yes, all starring right. Bertie the dog. <laughs> Do we know what scrofula is? Yeah, so scrofula is like tuberculosis, but specifically when it gets into the lymph nodes in the neck. Okay. Okay. It, so it's kind of one, one of these names that they, you know, they've got about 16 different names for the same yeah. disease because, yeah. well, they didn't necessarily know the difference. Yeah. So you were saying that they think he had scrofula as a baby because he definitely had scrofula when he was older? Yeah, yeah. So he seems to have got sort of developed scrofula when he was like two. Okay. 
but he definitely did have you know eye problems and things like that when he was a baby well apparently the you know medically how scrofula works it was probably unlikely to be that as a baby so sorry daisy just to recap because the dog was barking and i and i was distracted when you if you get scrofula i know you're not a doctor but if you if you get scrofula have you got scrofula for life or does it clear up and go away I suppose if it's TB, TB, you kind of just stuck with, aren't you? Yeah, it's a bit like um, malaria, isn't it? It's, it seems from what I've read, particularly scruffy, because it's kind of inflammation of the lymph nodes and things. It's it's something that can go up and down. Mm. Yeah. Which is kind of why they thought that, you know, the king's touch worked. Yeah. It's yeah, because, yeah, yeah. you know, they would happen, you know, the king or the queen would touch you and then it would sort of go down. And then obviously, you know, they have no way of telling whether it's gone completely or not, but it's, sort no. of, you know, almost kind of, the swelling would go down. It going to, you know, remission almost. Mm. And then sort of, you know, to come back later. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I think where they started giving, giving out the um, little coin things and like the things that you could put around your neck. And, and for one of the monarchs, it was like a hanky. Um, but I, I prefer the you know coin around the neck. I think that's a yes. that's a nicer memento than a yes. used handkerchief. Yes, it yeah. really is, isn't it? Well, yeah. um, there are reports that uh, Samuel Johnson was so proud of the fact that he had been touched by Queen Anne, even though it didn't work, that he would often wear the medal around his neck. So it's a bit like a talking point. The way I think of it is, it's like me wearing my BBC pass that is now expired round my neck still as a talking point of what's that around your neck it's my bbc pass do you work at the bbc no i used to though because you know why not what was the picture of the medal because i couldn't make head and tail of the medal they sent a link to the picture of the medal and i was like yeah oh this is the this is this is this is, this is the medal it was that the medal that queen Anne gave him coin on a train yeah yeah it looks like it so i think that is the so originally when they were doing the king's touch they would actually you know physically touch people mm. um and then they started sort of you know touching like the hankies and the coins and giving that to people you know partly so it, it it's i guess it was probably partly so they didn't have to touch as many ill people but also because you know it was like oh it'll work better if you keep it on you for longer well yeah i suppose because you can't really walk around with queen Anne touching your face all the time can you like yeah, it would be difficult. I, I feel like she wouldn't have approved of that. <laughs> no, no. I imagine she's got other things to be getting on with as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, Queen Anne is another person I would like to do as a history lesson at some point because, again, she's fascinating. Um, was she disabled? She was. I did not know that. Have you seen the favourite? Uh, no. She was disabled, wasn't she, Daisy? Before I go and waffle on a bit uh, yeah from the favorite yeah she was yeah yeah samuel johnson was the last person or within the last cohort of people to be touched to have this thing called the king's touch because after that uh they sort of moved away didn't they daisy from yeah i mean yeah, i so imagine it's a pretty good way to pass on communicable communicable diseases to your monarch so mm. can't see it being the wisest of decisions really but they did it for a really no. long time it was only a sort of george the first who kind of moved away from it but they specifically did um these things most of the time they did it in the winter when you were less likely to 
be able yes. to pass on those diseases. So it's like between like yeah. September and Easter. I think because, you know, obviously it was all, you know, religion-y. It was between Michaelmas and Easter. Okay. Right, okay. Which I think okay. And that's reduced... why the Queen, I think, wears gloves now when when she uh, <laughs> yeah, probably. shakes her, right. shakes In her case any of us wears touch her. gloves on her hands. Yeah, so Queen... She tries to lick yeah. her. <laughs> <laughs> Queen is... You know, she Queen needs was... a hazmat suit, really. If she's meeting me, she needs to wear a hazmat suit. <laughs> I was going to say, she's, uh, she was rocking PPE before it was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Get away from me, you peasant. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Samuel Johnson was also blind in one eye and had poor hearing, perhaps as a result of contracting tuberculosis, tuberculosis from his nursemaid. But um, his prominent disability, which became more obvious as he grew up um, when uh, and ruined his attempt at earning living as a school teacher when he was posthumously diagnosed with Tourette's syndrome. Johnson was famous for his tics and gesticulations. Uh, gesticulations. It's too early. Uh, William Hogarth described him as uh, him shaking his head and rolling himself about in a strange and ridiculous manner and it concludes that he was an idiot uh johnson was also reported as making odd clucking and whistling sounds and exhibiting obsessive compulsive behavior so so they thought when while he was alive like even though this is like the dictionary guy they (laughs) they thought because of his ticks and uh you know his verbal and physical ticks and stuff that he was uh um that that he lacked intelligence yes but yeah, I mean, the dictionary the, i mean the the term the idiot is kind of um i think we talked about it before it's a, yeah it's sort of yeah often it is some kind of you know neurological or learning disability or difference or something like that but it was always also just used for you know that like a casual in, term isn't yeah, it yeah like yeah yeah all encompassing umbrella of where they're a bit weird yeah yeah it's kind of you know it implies a sort of you know mental impairment or a learning disability but it, it's not necessarily saying that you know he was unable to do things like that mm. He was educated at the Litchfield Grammar School and, unable, and uh, unable to find teaching work, drifted into a writing career. In 1737, Johnson moved to London and spent a brief time at Oxford University, where he struggled to support himself through journalism, writing on a huge variety of subjects, an edition of Shakespeare, critical essays on poets, uh, together with religious and political writings. I think it says a lot about uh, the changes in our society that because he couldn't get a teaching job, he went on to be a writer. Yeah, I know. I think if you these days is you know there are thousands of teachers who are like, oh, I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to go to uni and do an English degree, and it's like, oh, I'm a teacher now. I I read this and I was like, oh, so basically Samuel Johnson was what was what the equivalent of those you know those people you see in starbucks that sit there with their laptop and they're writing their screenplay (laughs) with a coffee in the corner like where they've set themselves up for the day you're like can you move please you've been here four hours um so johnson was a tory but also a committed anglican who believed in notably in a notably christian way 
For example, he was very hospitable to his friends, several of whom lived with him uh, and his eccentric household. He was an opponent of, of slavery and expressed some progressive views about women's, equal, women's equality. He was not, uh, although not consistently, in his magazine, The Rambler, which basically would be called, that's what I would call my magazine if I had a magazine. <laughs> uh, and in his comments such as, a decent provision for the poor is the true test of civilization. John, Socialism. Yeah. Johnson demonstrated a social uh, conscience which coexisted with his support for the social hierarchy. He was eventually asked to leave Oxford University because of lack of funds. He gradually, however, <laughs> acquired a literary reputation and in 1747, uh, a syndicate of Princeton commissioned him to compile his Dictionary of the English Language, a task that took eight years. And Johnson employed six assistants, all of them working in his house off Fleet Street. So that is quite good going, isn't it, really, I think? Um, Samuel Johnson was one of history's great tea drinkers, consuming dozens of cups of tea each day, uh, reviewing a, crit a book, uh, a critical book of tea. Um, <laughs> Johnson described himself as a hardened and shameless tea drinker who has for 20 years diluted his meals only with an infusion of this fascinating plant whose kettle is scarcely, uh, has scarcely time to cool. So he, he liked tea, basically. I mean, you know, I get it. I, I, I did. So, so before I did this research, I didn't realise that he was disabled or an avid tea drinker. I mean, I drink a lot of tea. But, like, it sounds like he was, like, constantly, like, put kettle on, will you? Um, <laughs> Johnson was particularly fond of cats. Yeah, I'm liking this guy increasingly. He um, sounds like he likes, <laughs> he likes words, he likes cats, he likes tea, and he's a bit, a bit lefty. Yeah. Should we invite him to co-host the label podcast? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um... And he was also particularly fond of cats, such as uh, the famous Hodge, his cat, uh, which was memorialised in with him in his statue in London. Oh, uh, Hodge. Hodge, Hodge is a cute cat name as well. <laughs> Quite nice, isn't it? That uh, in 1735, he married Elizabeth Porter, a widow of more than 20 years his senior, also known as Tetty. She was more than 20 years well old. Done. Well done, Elizabeth. Yeah. She was more than 20 <laughs> years older than him. Uh, but they had a tender relationship until she died in 1752. Shortly afterwards, Francis Barber, a former slave from Jamaica, joined the Johnson household as a servant with Johnson for more than 30 years, as did his wife and children, and he became Johnson's heir, which I think, again, oh, that's cool. is lovely, isn't it, that? I just think yeah. that is so lovely. I've realised that I've only got one sheet of notes and I should have two. So talk amongst yourselves while I try and find it, will you, please? Okay. <laughs> um, you, you, you said that it's kind of, you know, oh, well done for her, managing to marry someone 20 years younger. Um, descriptions from his uh, stepdaughter... So that's the 
daughter of the woman he married basically described how ugly he was <laughs> when she first met him. Because you know, by that point, he already had sort of you know a lot of scars and I was going to say a lot of scrofulas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, this could be a good point to note for anyone who's confused about uh, a Tory being lefty. Yeah, that this is the historical Tory party where you sort yeah. of had Tories and Whigs, which yeah. was W H I G S, and they were kind of flipped politically as in a very simplistic way flip politically to the current equivalents which would be the conservative party and the liberal democrats yes and then slightly more left than that is labor and slightly more left than that is um parties that i've considered voting for Mm. and then it's (laughs) communism which is really the the only real option (laughs) (laughs) but i i was reading about um you know his what he stood for and the fact that he when I read about him, like, moving the ex-slave into his house and he lived with him for 30 years, it, I think it gives you a, a measure of, you know, I said earlier in, in my notes um, that, uh, he, you know, his friends used to say he was very kind and, you know, very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, generous uh, with his, with his, time and things and, and i think that just goes to show you the measure of the man doesn't he really i i really was warming to him a little bit um and like daisy said there was a there was a bit of me that was like I, I, was, I was almost like i was quite surprised because of the you know because of the the age where he was living you kind of you know there were always there was, there was there were, as you're digging digging around, you're thinking, I hope, please don't, I hope he's not a bastard. I hope he's not a bastard. And then when they're not, you're like, he's going to be a Nazi like the rest of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, we talk a lot about Nazis, don't we, on this show? Uh, I'm sorry, I feel like you hold me responsible for that. <laughs> it's <laughs> not your fault, Daisy, it's history. Yeah, it's yeah, history. Yeah. Yeah. So many people were Nazis. <laughs> yeah. It's just a black spot, isn't it, really? Can't, can't swing a cat around history for fucking Nazis. No, exactly. <laughs> Uh, but um, yeah, I was surprisingly surprised. I was like, "Oh, he's nice. That's nice, isn't it? That makes a nice change." Uh, so let's go back. I found my notes, by the way. They were down the side of the uh, in my uh, filing system that's on the floor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that that'll explain that. So yeah, he married Elizabeth Porter. Elizabeth died despite the bereavement in 1750s. Were uh, the seven. Uh, yeah, the 1750s were the, was Johnson's most successful decade. After nine years of work, the dictionary was published um, on April the 15th, 1755. It was not the first such dictionary, but it was undoubtedly the most important at the time. He completed his famous dictionary with 42,773 uh, entries. It became, defi- uh, and it defined the language at the time i'm a really big fan of how frequently in the records and stuff they're talking about the english dictionary like as if it's a novel <laughs> and i just really like to imagine if the dictionary was just a novel it somehow managed to tell a story throughout i know um, how how an aardvark started on a journey and got all the way to the zoo yeah, yeah. 
That's basically what the dictionary is, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's exactly what the dictionary is. <laughs> the artwork he managed to find his way to the zoo. I don't... I mean, there is a children's book in there somewhere, isn't there? Um, I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> just standard practice for the label podcast, I think. Yeah, just me waffling. Uh, his inventions were to include words that ordinary people use together with uh, 100,000 quotations showing their usage. Five further editions were published in Johnson's lifetime and six came out when he died. Uh, Johnson was by now the literally the lit the leader of the London literally literal. What's that word, Alice? Literary. Thank you. Uh, world with a friend and noble <laughs> artist with friend and noble artist and writers such as Joshua Reynolds, Edmund Burke, Oliver Goldsmith, and David Garrick. Another vital friendship was Johnson uh, for Johnson was Henry Thrale, a wealthy brewer. I mean. Everybody should make friends with a brewer uh, uh, and member of parliament and his wife, Hester. Uh, Johnson became part of their family, treating their London houses as second homes. Soon after the dictionary was published, he met James Boswell, a young Scotsman who wrote the famous biography, A Life of Johnson, published in 1791 uh, to spread Johnson's name. In 1773, Johnson and Boswell set out on a three-month tour of the Scottish Highlands and Hebrides. Both wrote accounts of their travels. Johnson spent a considerable amount of time in Edinburgh and in, in, this, uh, in the 17, um, 1770s with Boswell, the man who, uh, thanks to him, became known as Dr. Johnson. It was... So was he not actually a doctor? No. Like... He didn't have a PhD. Uh, Daisy? Uh, no, no, not as far as I can tell. He's not a medical doctor either. But a lot of people sort of started thinking of him as a medical doctor because he sort of, he was very interested in it. And he did sort of collect <laughs> a lot of knowledge and just sort oh, yeah. of going about. But yeah, I mean, you could just call yourself a doctor if you wanted. I, I listened to a medical history podcast. Can I start calling myself a doctor? Yes, although... If I actually get sick, I'm not going to come to you and go, "What's wrong with this, Alice? Can you can you diagnose this, please?" I can tell you. I can tell you things that people used to use to treat, like whatever's ailing you in the olden days that didn't work. <laughs> I don't like, know what that is, loose, but stick a leech on it, it'll be fine. Oh no, I was going to say uh, my my big my big takeaway from medical history is strap a chicken to yourself until it dies, right. and then you'll be fine. Mm. That's quite annoying, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, of, especially for the chicken. Trousers on, yeah. <laughs> Daisy, did you just say very difficult putting trousers on? <laughs> yeah, if you've got a chicken strap to your leg. Particularly <laughs> <laughs> if it's flapping around. <laughs> you, might go, you might just get comatose and used to you after a while. I mean, it, it sounds <laughs> like, regardless of whatever was wrong with you to start with you'll pretty soon have a leg that's scratched up to buggery and possibly <laughs> like bird flu oh yeah yeah like your illness will no longer be your top problem <laughs> no. you'll be pecked to death by a chicken <laughs> it's, it's like how like you know if you've got a pain in your back and you punch yourself in the face <laughs> <laughs> that classic cure yeah, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't hurt anymore 
<laughs> Who's the real winner here? <laughs> oh, I think Delirious is setting. Uh, yeah. Um, where do we get to? So yeah. So he became a doctor. So basically, can I stop calling myself Lucy Wood OBE? <laughs> can I? Can I do that? Or what? You, you probably know? could. I mean, you you can call yourself whatever you want, Luz. We have we have established that whatever we say on this podcast doesn't really matter anyway. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> so. it doesn't. Yeah. I imagine. I suppose could you legally, like, change your name by deed poll so yeah, that your surname would yeah. Wood space OBE Wood dot OBE? <laughs> Maybe I don't know. I'm gonna. That's what I'm doing this afternoon. Googling yeah, right, that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was from the record, uh, so he got the doctorate uh, because it was from the record, uh, from record of a brilliant conversation that so many memorable quotations. So basically, he was saying he, he was quoting all these people and saying, "I've put them in a book." Basically, I think I think that's why he became a doctor. So it's not even like an honorary degree. Uh, no, you know, like when you when you get like Lenny Henry's like. Isn't he like the the Chancellor of Birmingham City University? And before that, he was given a doctorate. And yeah, like, but, <laughs> but but that's Birmingham City University will have decided to do that as a recognition of his like contributions to the arts. I I feel yeah. a little bit like this is this is like me deciding that I'm going to get to be Chancellor of Birmingham City University because of my contributions to the arts. Mm. I think we should call ourselves like doctors for our contribution to podcasting. I um, mean, I got halfway through a PhD. Yeah, you see, you're so, well, you, you got further than I did. Duh. Yeah, exactly. Duh. Um, Johnson was continually short of money, and despite his success with the dictionary in 1762, his financial situation was alleviated when he he was awarded a government pension. I legit thought you were going to say his financial situation was alleviated when he died. Yeah. So I did it. Well, yeah. Would alleviate it. Because that'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. Not spending any more money now. (laughs) (laughs) I have just had had a quick look at uh, honorary doctorates. Yeah. And apparently they were much more common in this era Era. than they were before. So, like, um, if a royal visited Oxford, then they would give like every person who was traveling with them right. an honorary document because essentially university can give out a degree to whoever the hell it wants it's only like you know oh you have to do the course well only because they say so they can give it out whenever they want well <laughs> you see if i'd have had that attitude when i went to university daisy i would have had a much better time i could have saved myself some time just give me the sodding do- just so give me the sodding history yeah <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so throughout his life, particularly towards the end, he suffered periods of depression. As Leonard Davis writes, if Johnson had lived during the 20th century, he most probably would have been institutionalized, given shock therapy, or more recently, put on a regime of antidepressants. I mean, to say he would be put on antidepressants, probably true. Yes, I w- I, I w- I'd go with that. I mean, only if he chose to visit his GP and say, you know, not doing so great. Um, I don't think I don't think people just look at you in the street and go, you need to be on antidepressants. No, that's true. 
that's very true. The the bloke who made the sweeping statement about him being put on shock therapy and all that kind of stuff has also said that he he was surprised that his contemporaries contemporaries wrote about him as a brilliant man who had some oddities rather than rather than a seriously disabled person. Which, if somebody was writing about me like that, right? After either after I I don't know whether this man is alive now or whether you know it was a retrospective or whether he knew Johnson, but I would find I that assume he... as he was talking about if Johnson was alive in the twentieth yeah, century, he was alive. looking retrospectively back at Johnson. But I do find that quite that generalization of I'm surprised people called him a brilliant man and not a disabled person. That is to me is extremely offensive. <laughs> yeah. Really. Because it's like, yeah, well, he wrote the dictionary and he did all this and he, he became a doctor and all that. But he was, but forget all that, because he was disabled. Yeah, you can only be one or the other. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Or disabled. Yeah. yeah. But is, do you think, Daisy, that that's a reflection of, like, perhaps a change in attitudes towards disability, though? Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, you can... You can see from the records that in Johnson's time, it was kind of, you know, yes, it stopped him doing some things that he wanted to do. Like, you know, he um, didn't get a job as a schoolmaster because, you know, he thought that it would worry or distract Is that the why? boys learning. Yeah. Oh. Because of uh, the, the ways Tourette's presented. Yeah, 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 yeah. But at the same time, you know, even while he had that sort of setback, for the most part, it was kind of all right. It was like, okay, yeah. well, I can't do this, so I'll go and do something else instead. And it just sort of, like you say, Lucy, no one really knew about it because it wasn't really mm. mentioned because it wasn't particularly abnormal that no. somebody would, you know, have kind of chronic ailments or things like that. It's only, you know, more recently when you start, you know, well, when you've had those periods of time where people have been institutionalised, as this person says, and it's become a, a more kind of bad thing it's kind of mm. like around time it became Stigma. sort of medicalized yeah mm. like you know oh we have to fix this and if we haven't mm. fixed you then you know then then we failed as doctors whereas yeah yeah, yeah. Than, and there's, there's yeah. nothing that can be done for you so oh well yeah yeah i mean it sounds to me from what i've read there that johnson had a very happy life in it for yeah. the majority yeah. of it you know other than the period of depression towards the end where he may have struggled a little bit i think you know he, he he managed to find a wife and had a very good life despite the fact that you know he it doesn't sound like he even had a lot of particular like a chronically poor health no like it sounds like generally he was quite well not until his later years yeah, yeah. Which isn't, you know. isn't that true for all of us? Well, that, <laughs> well, it's the aging in, in process. My, in, in my case, no. <laughs> I'm getting it all now. <laughs> yeah, sorry to rub that in, Daisy. But there are mornings where I wake up and feel like I am 94 instead of 34. And you're like, oh, um, you know. But, but it doesn't mean to say that I am miserable and sad with my lot. Do you know what I mean? I've got a yeah. great life. We all have, I think. Um so and I but when you said to me that the reason why when you've just said there that the reason why he didn't c continue or pursue a career as a teacher was because he didn't want to like frighten or concern his 
potential students, that makes me feel really sad. I mean, there may be other reasons as well, but if one of those reasons is I don't want to scare other people. Yeah, see, I feel like it was more their decision than right. his. I was going to say, I I can't. I feel like that was probably people said to him, oh, no, you know. You scare you everybody. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but but although from from what I've seen, he did he did teach in some places. It was just this particular thing that you know he wanted to be the the school master. Mm. So he he did set up his own school at some point, although yes. it, it, it failed relatively quickly. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was in Litchfield actually, but I can't remember what what it was called or things like that. I don't know whether did you manage to find anything, Daisy? Not that I saw, no. But um, in fairness, I didn't specifically look for that. No. Again, I, I, I saw a figure that said, oh, we set up a school that fell. And I went, oh, that's nice. And they just kind of carried <laughs> on with their life. <laughs> yeah. What was the name of it, please? What was the Ofsted report? Yeah, um, in, in hindsight, yeah, that is kind of my job to look at that. But <laughs> I didn't. Never sorry. No, it's okay. There's at least I'm, one I'm, episode where we talk about I'm sorry, listeners, I've let and... you down. <laughs> There's at least one episode where Daisy goes, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Normally I try and hide it better. I'm too tired. <laughs> yeah, but I think he's just a... I really quite like him. And uh, the museum were actually really pleased that we were doing this episode, focusing on his disability in the first instance, because like, like Daisy said, nobody really these days talks about it they'll say samuel johnson oh yeah he invented the dictionary but not really of anything about his impairments i mean i only knew of his impairments when i was sat in weatherspoons and there was something written about it on the wall and i went oh why is he dragging himself through the streets but it turned out that it was wrong so basically listeners what i'm telling you is don't, don't believe that's written on the wall in the pub yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean <laughs> That's a real uh, shocking life lesson to have learned <laughs> yeah. at 34, Luce. Yeah. I, I, I found the um, uh, quote about uh, the going for the master's position that you didn't get. Okay. okay. Said he was rejected because he has the character of being a very haughty, ill-natured gent. And yet he has such a way of distorting his face, which though he can't help, think it may affect some young lads. <laughs> so basically you're like you're pulling funny faces that's but you're also really stuck up and you're really stuck up yeah it's almost like so further on it seems that it's not that it would scare the kids but more that they wouldn't take him seriously as yeah. a teacher yes yeah i suppose it's a bit like when you get a supply teacher in and they're a bit wishy-washy yeah. And I was just going to say that. I can believe that snotty teenagers, even in the 1700s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because teenagers are teenagers through and through, aren't they, really? Yeah. Yeah. But it does also say here that the school that he set up, he did, yeah. I mean, it still doesn't have a name, but he <laughs> set it up with um, David Garrick, who, the actor. Yeah. Yes. Who um, Lucy mentioned just now. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I was probably reading this at the time you were saying that. Sorry. <laughs> Daisy's reading her notes as we're we're doing. I knew, the I knew it was in here somewhere. It's but, apparently, um, I got halfway through with the green highlighter and then just went, "Yeah, that's enough." <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't highlight this bit. That's enough for today. 
I really love your commitment to the show, Daisy. It really means a lot to us. I had to go into a pile of crap to get that green highlighter out. How dare you? <laughs> did your highlight and your highlighter run out because it's been in a pile of crap, or did you just put it down and just go, yeah? That's no, enough. no, it's the, my the standard highlighter I use is a yellow one, but it's running out, and so I had to go and find a different one, which is in a pile of crap because I'm moving soon. We um, when we meet up and we have our first proper face-to-face -face team meeting, uh, I'm going to buy you a pack of highlighters that are for labelled use only. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> use only. Write it off as an expense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Daisy, is there anything else uh, that you found that I've not touched on, or maybe like anything that you found in the documents that I sent you? Because that I couldn't make head and tail of. Yeah, so one of the things you sent me was a picture of a little bottle. It was called a squill bottle. Mm. So it was saying in there that a lot of people thought for a while that it was a bottle that contained smelling salts. Right. And it's, you know, like in the films when, you know, a woman swoons and uh, they, they give her some, yeah, swelling, smelling salts and then she, you know, wakes, wakes up. up. Yeah. Um, but they said there that they didn't think it was smelling salts because, you know, he didn't really have any, like, documented yeah. like fainting spells or anything like that. So I think it's actually squill, which is a plant that was sort of mixed with a bit of vinegar. Right. And used for, um, well, for a couple of different things. So primarily for, like, heart problems. Yeah. It's like, you know, sort of, congestive heart failure too fast heartbeat that sort of thing vinegar will sort that right out yeah 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 and for um what they call dropsy drop okay. i've heard i've heard dropsy. yeah so dropsy is edema so uh, water retention yeah which is often a a symptom of heart problems right yeah so he had so he had a lot of swelling this is again one of these things that came on particularly towards the end of his life he had a lot of swellings from water retention. Mm -hmm. And on a few occasions, he had people try to drain it Ooh. because it was so uncomfortable. Um, and so it means like water retention between sort of different layers of like muscle and skin and things. Mm. You know, it's quite far down. It's not. Um, yeah, it's not like like on the surface where you could just. Yeah. Like... Yeah. It's not like a blister. Whoa. Mm. Um so he had this squill stuff for a while, which was one of these. I mean, if you try and look it up now, it's um, basically a sea of black and red writing that says, no, <laughs> don't, don't do this. It's so dangerous. So what was in this squill? Was it vinegar and? So, so squill is a plant. Right. Um, and it was, it seemed to be quite good at, relieving his water retention uh -huh. to the to the point where he was using it for a while and sort of dosing it out of this little flask so like absolutely right. no measurement whatsoever no so the source is kind of like you know oh yes he was able to measure his own um <laughs> like his own dosage between 0 0.9 milliliters and 3.5 milliliters i'm like right i would say that he can't <laughs> measure his own doses then can he no he can't he's not right. very consistent he's just, he's, knocking just... It, he's just knocking it back 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. The point where we learn that Squill is like deadly nightshade or something like that. Not quite, but um, yeah. Is he getting for that? Like, sort of. That the reason it was working is because it was slowly atrophying his muscles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, he had good effect from it, but not for all that long. No. So he he used it for months, and his sort of swelling and water retention kind of completely went away for at least sort of three months, and then it. It came back. Came back. And I suppose when it came back, it came back with vigor as well because it was like, now I've got you. Yeah, it's yeah, it's one. It's one of these things that, like a lot of you know, old herbal remedies. Mm -hmm. You know, people started you know doing science to it Mm -hmm. and tested the bits that worked and then developed them into things that didn't have as many you know terrible terrible side effects. Yeah, (laughs) essentially. Yeah. So there are medicines that we still use today that are derived from. Um, parts of the squirrel plant that we've recognised help. Yeah. Uh, um, he was also one of the first people to use something called digitalis. Right. Which is a particular preparation of the foxglove plant. Right, yeah. Which again is still used hmm. for things like you know, edema and water retention and things like that but he did have the water retention you know on and on for the rest of his life really and he would be you know begging his doctors to try and um you know lance it and relieve the uh relieve the discomfort which arguably unsurprisingly yeah the doctors weren't hugely keen on that no. So, um, but I suppose uh, if you're that uncomfortable, you will try anything. I mean, oh, I yes, have... and, and he did. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give me it, whatever it is. Give it me. <laughs> um, because I, I, you know, I have, I've had relatives, uh, who have had water retention, and to some extent, my, you know, during the lockdown period, because I've not been pushing myself and moving about, because I don't walk on my feet if I don't move, my legs. And feet get very swollen, so much so that I've had very, you know, difficulty putting my shoes on and things like that. So I know, I mean, and that's only very, very mild as well. So I can't imagine how uncomfortable that having like proper water retention, where because you, you, it's just you can't move really. Awful. Yeah, yeah. So like in the last sort of you know day of his life. You know, the last sort of days and things, it was it's very, very, very uncomfortable. Yeah. And um so he did take matters into his own hand, particularly pertaining what he what he thought was retention, but it's you know, hard to tell. Yeah. In his testicle. Mm. <laughs> Good morning everybody. Like so, so he so he did stab himself in the testicle. Oh. Is it possible to get water retention of the testicle? I feel as though... <laughs> this is my... I'm not sure. I, 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 any doctors out there... I wouldn't Google it. Are you Googling it, Daisy? Of course I am. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't it think seems, I could... It seems like if it's... Because I always thought water retention was about um, the muscles. legs, yeah. And you, I don't. 
You can in the scrotum. Oh, Lord. Oh. You feel like that, Lewis. You don't even have a scrotum. I know. I know. How, uh, I know. <laughs> how listeners out there with scrotums feel sorry, about God. this whole conversation. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, but but his, he did feel relieved. Oh, yes. By, by his actions of stabbing himself in the testicle. I mean, I <laughs> and imagine. Then he, and, and then he... Uh, he, he oh. died a few hours later. I don't yeah. think I actually covered his. I don't think I covered his death, did I? So he died on December the thirteenth, seventeen eighty-four, with a puncture wound in the testicle. It kind of ruins the memoriam that I'm giving him as we are talking about his death. But um, Sammy Johnson does uh, died as a result of a stroke after a period of illness and depression. Uh, it widely acclaimed as a widely acclaimed as a critic. As well as a lexo- lexio- lexographer? Lexicographer? Lexicographer, that's the one. And um, was buried in Westminster Abbey. So there we go. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it does kind of take away the fact, you know, t- kind of takes away the somberness of it when you know that he, just before he died, he stabbed himself in the balls. <laughs> doesn't it really? this is this is your own fault for asking me yeah <laughs> it is this is history i should i should have like i should have remembered to tell you when he died because we didn't um cover that did we but uh, yeah it's um i don't know it's, i just find it genuinely fascinating that um you know to, to think as well that not many people know that uh, like like we've said before he was disabled and yet he wrote he compiled the first dictionary which everybody uses you know what i mean that's taking one for that's that's like building up the uh, reputa- re- uh reputation of disabled people how good we are at things isn't it really I th- i'm like well done well done congratulations i know you're not a paralympian but you did write the dictionary so thank you very much for that <laughs> i wonder if like and and i don't I, I, I go back and forth on my feelings about when people say this, but I, from my understanding, often Tourette's can have an impact on a person's ability to kind of verbalise their thoughts. Mm. And I wonder if, you know, part of his interest in words and writing came from the fact that he had difficulty expressing himself verbally. Like, yeah, I can, I can yeah. And also, do you know, it always makes me wonder whether people who have, I mean, I, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just going by what I always think when I see people who've got communication difficulties, that sometimes if you struggle to speak and you're trying to make, get the words out to speak, whether you like get halfway through your point and just think, oh, it doesn't matter. Do you know what I mean? Because do you know do you you've know gotta, what, you've got to really want to say it. Yeah, because yeah, because otherwise you just think, oh, it's a waste of energy because it's absolutely exhausting to try and get these words out. Unless you, unless I really need you to know this, can I really be asked? It would, I suppose, it would partly explain why Rosie Jones has got such like everything's such comedy gold because yes. it's just, you know, I love that woman. Rosie, if you're listening to this, not that you are, but if you are listening to this by some miracle, would you please come on our podcast? Because then we can stop being podcasters because we'll have reached the goal of, yeah, that's that's we've done it. 
we've got co- podcast we've completed it mate <laughs> um but yeah i love her no but it does make me wonder whether like i mean i suppose if you've got speech difficulties you must you must have a workaround of i don't know saving spoons um but it, yeah so the thing about the Tourette's it does make me wonder whether because and you know sometimes we've depending on the severity of the Tourette's it might not be a challenge for the actual person speaking but to the person they're talking to it looks like it's an effort do you know what I mean so it may it's always made me wonder whether they just think oh can't be <laughs> can't be asked of this it's just it's all right <laughs> You crack on, it's okay. And I think he's a kind man. Well, yeah, yeah, sure, that too. I think he is a kind man. So anybody who's kind gets, you know, gets at least into the back garden, if not into the house. <laughs> uh, so there we go. Uh, yeah. So there we go. That's Samuel Johnson. That was interesting, Liz. Thank, Thank you. Thank you very much. I know it's very early. We won't do this again this early. As much unless as it goes really well. Unless it goes yeah, really well. In case we'll only like... do it like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't care whether you're tired. It's working really well. Uh, yeah, so there we go. Well, if you guys thought we did a particularly good job this time, you can uh, leave us a review. You can review every single episode individually on Apple Podcasts. And that's a really good way of showing your support for the show, because the more people who leave us excellent five star reviews, the uh, more we get like bumped up the the you might also like this chain for new listeners. So go do that. and there's the crowdfunder can... as well yep that yeah um which you can access on our website um and that we share on social media join our facebook community uh particularly where we are like talking about history lessons and you can tell us what you want to hear as like future lessons and i think that's everything yeah, you can follow us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter also. Yes. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Are you going to say goodbye, Daisy? Or are you? Oh, <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Labelled Podcast. If you like the show please rate review and subscribe you can follow us on social media at labeled podcast uh thanks go to our editor adam hall our music composer Maisie crunden and our graphic designer Sarah Coley. we'll, we'll see, see you next time, time.